writer Danielle Bannister and I'm joined today by writer Tina Moss. Welcome Tina. Hello how are you Danielle? Oh this uh we were just talking about this uh retrograde stuff just throwing everybody into and it's you know whether you believe in it or not or if it's a placebo effect it's happening. Exactly. I, I Frankly, anybody who doesn't believe in it, I'm going to prove you wrong this week because this has been the most intense Mercury retrograde I've ever experienced. And it's like very appropriate, I feel like, for the topics we're talking about today because, yes. oh my God, it kind of does feel like we're living in a bit of a, a multiversal situation right now. And I, my, my head is spinning in all different directions. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have... I actually did a thing that I'm very proud of. I moved out the release date of one of my books. I know, right? Wow. I didn't really, like decide to take myself to a crippling deadline. I said, you know what? This, this is dumb. Let me not actually add to my pile and let me, let me push it out. So I pushed it out by a month, which is works better in the release schedule anyway, because I have, um, I have a short story coming out in Claimed Amongst the Stars Anthology, which is next month in June. And then I have, I, so I pushed out my book instead of also releasing in June. Why I thought that was a good idea, I don't know, to oh, July. That's, that's so, a good idea. That's, I know. I was just like, from a marketing perspective, what are you going to be I, marketing? Both why? of them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why did I do yeah. that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm crazy. So, uh, so Aliens Temptation is officially moved out to July. Um, I will be telling my readers, I'm sure they will be fine with it. And if they're not, quite frankly, um, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. So it's going to be July. How about you? How has your releases been going? You have your- Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a a sort of rapid release or rapid for me. It's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) technically (laughs) rapid for for some people, but like every three months for me, yeah, rapid. When, That's rapid. When I'm only doing four releases a year, typically to do. I'd say that's rapid. Every, that's a lot for me. So uh, I just released volume two of mm-hmm. Where You Met Me. Volume three will be releasing soon. Nice. Within a few months. And then, so it's just, it's just going. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's but a that's exciting machine. Yeah, this is my first series of, you know, I've only ever done trilogies before. Mm-hmm. So this is like my first, wait, there's more behind three books. Okay, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's keep going. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. So today's <laughs> podcast, um, <laughs> Multiverse of Madness, uh, mm-hmm. just came out a few weeks ago. And us being the Marvel lovers of our group, we always love to take the opportunity to use Marvel and connect it to writing because there is a connection to these movies and writing either good or in bad ways I mean you can learn from from these types of you know mega hits Mm -hmm. um if you have not seen Multiverse of Madness might be a good time 
Yep, some spoiler warnings. Yep. Just the generic, but if you don't care and you just want to hear our opinions, keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, if you haven't seen Multiverse of Madness yet, I that we have a lot of feelings. Danielle and I have a lot of feelings regarding this movie. I think most people who see it do. Um, yes. I'm also going to throw in there, we're not going to talk about it so much today, but because it is another multiversal movie that we may touch upon, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I'm telling everybody I know to go see this movie because it is phenomenal. It is honestly probably one of the best movies that I've ever seen and will be this a repeat. This is what I keep hearing. It's amazing. what I keep hearing. Danielle, you have to. You have to. Yeah, it's it's what... epic. Um, just throwing that out there as a side tangent. Obviously, that's not sponsored. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear great things about that. Uh, in, in fact, mostly highlighting, this is how you do a multiverse. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is what I hear. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I think with, we'll, we'll be semi-spoiler free because we're going to be talking about the continuity between the Marvel as a brand how that relates to the writing, how that relates to how authors brand. So semi-spoiler free, but there may be a couple of things in there if you're really, you know, a diehard Marvel fan. We might fan. be highlighting to prove our collective points. Exactly, exactly. So if you're if you're worried about spoilers, click away, no hard feelings, come back when you've seen it. Right. So yeah, <laughs> our, our main sort of thrust for this particular mm-hmm. podcast, we wanted to focus on branding because i think Mm. after we both saw it and we both sort of like what'd you think what'd you think Mm -hmm. and i think we both had a very similar response is that it did not feel like a marvel movie that it missed it missed the branding mark for us right for us um but for those who might not really understand what what does branding really mean do you have Mm -hmm. any like general terms that could help educate some of us who might be a little confused about it? I I think the the easiest way to describe branding is to use an analogy, right? If you want to think about branding, think about Apple, right? Mm -hmm. Apple is kind of a masterclass in branding because our, and now I am an I am an iPhone user, so this is coming from a person who has bought into the branding and uses the product, right? But arguably, arguably, there are better phones from a technological span, standpoint than an iPhone. There just are. It's it's factual. I don't think uh, most tech heads would dispute that. However, most people have an iPhone, and that comes down to the brilliance of Apple branding. Because their brand is that you are always needing the next iPhone, right? Part of their marketing campaign is that they are the innovators of technology, even if there are technological phones that are better. But that boils down to their message and their branding. The, you know, you believe what they believe and what they put forth. So the branding for an author is more about continuity between your style, your voice, the themes and tropes that you focus on, genre, but not necessarily at least um, tangential genres, I would say. Like for me, it's paranormal romance and sci-fi. They're kind of sister genres to each other. Um, And then like all of the external things like colors and fonts and cover styles, 
things like that. Uh, I think it was uh, Mary and I went into a whole podcast about just branding. I'll link that one in the description below on YouTube. So if you'd like to go watch that podcast and haven't caught it yet, you can actually see the whole thing about branding. But that's kind of an overview of what branding is. So Danielle, (laughs) (laughs) before we really deep dive, what would you say that What's the Marvel brand for the last decade kind of building up to this movie? If you had to say like, oh, this is the things I think of when I think of the Marvel brand, what would they be? For me, Marvel means character-driven plots. Mm -hmm. It means humor. It means action. And better, like it or not, Mm family-friendly. They Mm -hmm. are films you can go and see as a family. Those are the things that sort of encapsulate a Marvel production of any kind series or movie for me those elements are in play is that is that any different for you no I I the the funny thing is as you were saying them I'm like oh but this movie had that and this movie had that and this movie had that but didn't have that the family friendly not family friendly um I I was yeah I think the biggest thing for me the biggest takeaway is stylistic choices in the film and we could go into those more but I am a huge Sam Raimi fan I Sam Raimi for those who don't know is the director of this film he's done uh, he's most well known for the Evil Dead franchise which is horror comedy very big on camp but also pretty big on gore Uh, there there is a large gore factor that was very much present in this film that was not present in other Marvel films. Um, He's also produced uh, TV shows like Xena and Hercules. So I think in that respect, the the Xena Hercules franchises did kind of fit with Marvel. It's very similar in feel, but when you're going classic Sam Raimi, director, horror-esque style, that, that is not a Marvel movie. I happen to think they're brilliant movies, um, but they're definitely not in the style of Marvel. And I think that's the biggest takeaway of where it missed the mark because it was a Sam Raimi film, not a Marvel film. Yep, yep, yep. And and I think in terms of like sort of that branding that that those four things that that like the 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 character that's that's Mm -hmm. always been huge for me that these are character motivated movies that yes the plot is is sort of secondary as long as the character has a strong arc and we're going forward then it feels like a marvel movie that feels more than just a superhero movie where yeah we're, we're following a hero's journey but this film did not feel like character came first at all. It no. felt like it was plot and the characters were there to do whatever the plot needed it to do. And it didn't matter if it matched what the character should be doing or what you've set up to do. Right. It, it was doing whatever the plot needed the character to do. The irony is I'm not even sure when I think back on it now that I've had a couple of weeks to digest it, that it was even plot driven. I almost think it was like, cinematically driven it was kind of like I feel like they had this storyboard they had storyboarded all these scenes and very on an epic scale very beautiful visuals and said absolutely beautifully visual you know I'm gonna kind of mishmash this around I think the the biggest character driven point I almost feel like if they would have had this as a Wanda story if they would have given us like Wanda vision to the dark side, like Wanda to the dark side, rather than calling this Doctor Strange 2, we might have digested it a little better. 
I think the expectation of the Doctor Strange film one, which I rewatched after watching Multiverse, to this film was so disproportionate to each other that it was it was hard to get into like, you know, Stephen Strange's character. And the new character they introduced, who should have been a brilliant, diverse character, I can only remember her name because it's the same as a country. I know her name is America because it's otherwise I, I would not have remembered at all. We know nothing about this character going in and nothing coming out. Oh nothing. God. How do you have how do you have this character who is essentially like the crux of the story that's supposed to be the character-driven story, right? This this um the new character they introduced, who we know nothing about. We know and we care nothing about, therefore. Right. It didn't matter what happened to her or why or the reasons behind these things, because they introduced nothing of substance that made us go, yes, I connect with this character. And, oh, I really want to know more about her. There, there was none of nothing. That. Yeah, she was none a plot it. device yeah. she was oh. there because the plot Ooh. needed her to be there. It, it's like a it's almost like a masterclass in plot device. Like, here's something <laughs> you should not do. Right. The big no, no. Here here is a perfect example for years to come of plot device. Yeah, and it, it was, I felt so bad because this this could have been a really important and great character. And I hope they use her in future movies and that they're not, that this is like her one and done and they're going to base yeah. her off the success or failure of this because she needs an arc. She had no arc. Yes. She needs an arc. <laughs> the super sure. sad thing too is I almost feel like with this particular character, they were trying to cater to a younger audience, right? Because she feels young. She makes these like, again, minor spoiler, but not a big one. She makes like these star-shaped yeah. portal holes that is very right. Sailor Moon-esque to me. Like, oh, it's oh, very, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but obviously doesn't appeal to the adult audience. It's very much right. appealing to the child right. audience in a film that is soup, that is the probably the darkest of the MCU oh, films thus hands far. Down hands down like you're trying to appeal to this like child audience with this character in a super dark film where they're probably not even going to see this character you know unless parents brought them in thinking it was going to be like dr strange one well i mean with the branding they're going to bring them Mm -hmm. in because so far marvel has been fine to bring my you know 10 11 12 year old to you know younger than that people will usually you know yeah you know we'll check in and was it okay if, this if, one. if I was a parent, <laughs> if I had kids that I brought oh, that I'd movie to, yeah. yeah, yeah, nightmare. Like, you did me dirty. You did me yeah. dirty, Marvel. Um, yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you about the, the focus of Wanda. If this had been a Wanda movie instead of a strange movie, I might have come out of it differently. But they would have also had to have changed, I think, one thing. Mm-hmm. And it was Wanda's motivation. Yes her motivation yeah. i would have bought hook line and sinker mm-hmm. if they had listened to wandavision which i don't think he actually watched prior no. to filming this doesn't feel like it uh, uh i think it's been confirmed he didn't watch it mm-hmm. um but if we in that post credit scene where she's looking at the dark hold and mm-hmm. she spoiler alert for wandavision i'm sorry but she hears her kids and they're screaming oh. for help oh. that they were in danger. Yes. Then yes, send Mama Wanda out and let her do her thing. But yes. she wasn't, the kids were not in danger. They were in a wow. safe and loving home. 
What a great point. What a fantastic point. She became point. a homewrecker. Let's <laughs> let's tie that in because that I mean you hit it so well there, Danielle. That's that's brilliant. This goes into continuity in your books, right? So if you are writing, let's say book one, and you have an epilogue that's going to lead to book two, you better make sure that epilogue matches up with prologue or first chapter of the next book. Because if it doesn't and you take a side turn, the readers are not going to buy into the story, right? There, And I also do think it's very important to have that ending scene, ending chapter, chapter or epilogue, whatever is comfortable for you and your story, that does lead to the next book when you're building a series. That's important to branding. And it's also important to bring your reader to the next one in a realistic way. What Daniel just said about WandaVision would have made, would have changed this movie yeah. altogether. Absolutely. I wouldn't have yeah. been mad at what anything that Wanda did if she was right. trying to protect her children, but she yep. wasn't. That right. wasn't what this was about. Yeah, so, you're right. It was a very, um, I hesitate to say narcissistic, but it was almost a narcissistic impulse. They tried to play it off like it was a motherly thing that she was dreaming of her kids, but it really wasn't. It was a very selfish impulse kind of the opposite of everything we think about mothers and motherhood yeah. in general usually we yeah. think of it as like self-sacrificing and you know giving up for your kids not saying that's necessarily the right view of motherhood right. either but that's usually the impression that we have particularly in the marvel universe um but this wasn't this was very much like i want my kids and i don't care who i hurt and if i hurt my kids to get them yes and that's not mm. the wanda mm -mm. that we know from wandavision she had yep. a huge character arc in mm -hmm. WandaVision and basically had the same plot for her character arc just done better in WandaVision yeah. than in Strange. They right. did like a, a, a pathetic arc of that. And she learned story. that lesson already. She, she learned this lesson already. She did. It's if like. If she's going to go bad, like there's, there's gotta be a, like you said, there's gotta be a continuity between the reasons if her, if her kids were in danger. Oh, hell yeah. Wanda's jumping yeah. off the batty cliff. No problem. I just, I wonder yeah. Kevin Feige, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed. I'm not just disappointed that that's that's a mom response right that. there. <laughs> that's a true mom response right there. Perfect. You didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, uh, yeah. in terms of you know with with every single sort of one of these movies that has been coming out there has been sort of a, a prerequisite of mm. certain things that you have to read or pay attention to prior to watching this film mm -hmm. in theory wandavision even right. though nothing except her having kids and no mention of vision even. And no mention of <laughs> was a driving like, force. Only her kids and not yeah. even where she left them, but only that she had kids comes in here. Mm -hmm. um, what if to an extent, one episode mm -hmm. of what if to an extent, uh, I think episode four of what mm -hmm. if comes into play. And then I, I would assume Dr. Strange won, but again, only really for one character. Yeah. Did you feel like you needed to see Doctor Strange in order to No. See? Yeah. No. Yeah, you didn't and we were expecting um something from Spider-Man No Way Home, some reference. 
I think part of that is is uh, the pandemic coming into play and, and the yeah. reversing of orders of the movie because yeah. this was supposed to come out earlier. It right. ended up coming out after No Way Home. Right. Um, yeah, that... because America Chavez was supposed to be the one opening the portals in No Way Home. Right. Not, yeah, so, right. yeah. So there's a little so bit maybe of that. there was better <laughs> maybe. <laughs> a plot for her in that movie. I don't know. Maybe there was. <laughs> maybe there was. But um, yeah, I, I don't feel... I mean, that may be a Marvel direction in the future, less of the interconnectedness so that you can introduce new audiences at any point uh, in the series. I do feel like that seems to be a little bit of the direction they're going, more standalones, less series. And again, linking that back to writing, that is an important part for writers who are thinking about writing series is that if you have a reader who's coming to your series later or who's coming to a spinoff or where they can uh, pick you up essentially in your in your book history so making sure that each book in a series is not giving a recap but allowing a new reader to pick up book three and feel okay I can still keep going or big pick up book seven in a series or I can read I can start with this spin-off series of course there's always going to be reading order uh that's preferred probably chronologically but if you can allow readers into you at more entry points that widens your your, just your funnel to 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 more readers and if you can and it feels like that's what marvel's trying now I think they went interconnected for a very long time in the previous phase and then all of a sudden they're they're starting to pull back from that and say, okay. After 10 years, I think they're realizing yeah. <laughs> maybe we're, we're alienating some people here. They yeah. don't want to watch 30 films before <laughs> they watch this next. I don't know why they wouldn't, but yeah. Um, well, a, a prime example of that in, in terms of Marvel, in terms of needing zero entry mm-hmm. points, Moon Knight yeah. is a zero entry point. So you it can is. seriously start there and not have watched anything. Which is interesting because a lot of what leading up to Moon Knight before I watched it, I thought there was going to be more yeah, connectedness. And I was very yeah. surprised that there was there was none. There was zero. Yeah. So, yeah, that's. A, well, that's there was one idea. minor reference to mm-hmm. um, do, uh, Dr. Panther. Listen to me. <laughs> to, Black Pan- <laughs> to Black Panther, the ancestral plane. Oh, yes. They, yes there yes. was one mention of that. But that was yeah, it. But I mean, it didn't like change the plot. And, like, right. Like, what is that? You know, right, and that's probably just, just like a, a tip of the hat or a nod a, to, yeah, to Marvel exactly. fans in general. Exactly. Yeah. So, if if you've been struggling to get into a Marvel, get in that there because that that is going to be a character driven one. That mm-hmm. is going to be uh, humorous. That's going to have mm-hmm. action, and it's going to be family friendly. Yeah, and diverse. I mean, there's some violence and diverse and emotional and just oh, great show. Yeah, great show. Chef's kiss that show. Um, sorry, sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. We were just talking about character. Um, what do you think, did they succeed for you in this movie advancing the character of Dr. Strange for you? Do you feel like you know more about him now after watching this film? He's more romantic than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch the what if? No. Oh, see, Mm -hmm. okay. If you ever watch the what if that that mm-hmm. actual one with Doctor Strange is mm-hmm. actually really good and it 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 applies a lot to this movie. Okay, but I will say the connection to mm-hmm. Doctor Strange and Christine in the cartoon <laughs> was better and more believable 
been on the screen. <laughs> I mean, I liked her character, the way that they gave her more agency in this film. That's probably the one thing I will say. I do feel like she had much more agency in this film than she did in the first film. Oh, yeah. um, she was an afterthought, I think. In the, in the yeah, film. again, a, yeah. a plot device in the first yeah. film. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. interesting to see him, I guess, humanized. They, I think they did a nice job with humanizing him a little, like one level more. I think it could have went way deeper, especially oh, yeah. with this yeah. like strange mentor slash fatherly role of this. Like they could have taken all of that weight, right? Oh, yeah. All of that could have been. Oh, sure. That that could have been a, a, a Peter Tony yeah. relationship. Yeah. And it didn't turn into anything. Yeah, no, no. I'm it just it turns leave. into a lot of cliched lines, <laughs> a lot of cliched, yeah, like cringeworthy dialogue. Like, oh, really? We're yeah. saying this? Oh. Okay. And again, I'll give one big spoiler. Um, so be prepared. Uh, the zombie strange for me <laughs> did not. Let me preface yeah. this. Let me preface this. I love zombie movies like i i will eat up zombie movies like a pile of popcorn like i i love them so much i will watch them in any language any director give me all the zombies love zombies this was the one time i was like you're making me not like zombies and and that's really hard to do like that's if you you're can't have go, a heartfelt speech as a zombie, it just doesn't oh. work. It doesn't oh. work. It's you're a zombie. Either you're a zombie or you're not a zombie. Not you're some weird avatar zombie driving magician yeah. thing, sorcerer. Yeah. I don't know. It was yeah. it was so I'm like Raimi, come on. You yeah, look, we know it's too far. Too we far. got it. This is yes. this is just ridiculous. I mean, it looked gross and whatever, yeah. but it didn't match. With the message you were trying no. to convey, and you get- wanted to laugh instead right. of be serious, which is what the moment called for. And you're getting to this weird necromancy thing, which is like any horror movie person is going to be like, okay, cool. But and in a Marvel film, I, I don't know. want necromancy in my Marvel film. Thank you no. very much. Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh, it was bad. It was. Bad. All right, so. This is this is a good segue to to talk a little bit about um, because this this could sort of apply to uh, I think authors who write maybe in a shared world right oh, so you're using one. the mm-hmm. same characters in the same world so the characters need to feel sort of the same in all the worlds that that you're writing in so right. if you take a a Doctor Strange you're writing a Doctor Strange character and then you you take that your turn at Dr. Mm-hmm. Strange. Dr. Strange still has to feel like Dr. Strange from mm-hmm. this other stories. But in this particular film, does I'm gonna I'm gonna call Raimi sort of our writer. Yeah, for, yeah. For, for for these I think that's fair. I know he wasn't the writer, but he but you know, it's the fair. visionary. <laughs> the visionary. So you take somebody who has a unique, very unique style like Raimi. You take mm-hmm. a director who has a very unique style like Taika. Mm-hmm. You take uh, even the Russo brothers, yep. very unique styles. You watch one of the films and you go, oh, that's Taika directed that. Yep. Russo brothers, you, know, you could tell who directed what. Absolutely. But I think, and maybe I'm wrong, two of them succeeded in making it, the characters fit in these universes yeah. the same. And one didn't, did not. No. Um. And I, I'm gonna say that it, it it's 
partially because of this branding ball that yep. had been dropped. It, it, what, what do you think about, do you think that if the, the branding had been more on point that this film could have come across differently? Yes. I, I think, okay, in fairness to Ravi, I don't know what, out, what went on behind the scenes, but right. I imagine that Marvel said we want a darker, grittier film. I know they wanted a horror. They wanted this to be their first horror, which is why they chose. Which is, which is why. <laughs> why? Why? That's like Disney going off and saying, you know what would be great today for kids if we give them a horror film? Like, I don't know. You're don't. not horror. Marvel but you know what? Horror. If you're going to do that, if that's going to be, you have to market it as right. a horror. Right. That this is a new branch of Marvel. You cannot just market it as a regular Marvel movie with the 10 years of branding that have gone before. You know what? It, I, Stranger Things, which is by the time mm -hmm. this podcast comes up, I think the new season will be out, right? I yes. think of Stranger Things. Yes. That is a direction they could have went in and yes. pulled off because yes. Stranger Things is still palatable enough and not yes. grotesque enough or gory yes. enough to, to still appeal, I think, to the Marvel universe. I think- yes. The, pr the problem was we just got too into to Raimi style that I walked out of that saying, oh, it was so nice to see Evil Dead 4. Honestly, that's how I felt after seeing the film with a little yeah. sprinkling of superhero stuff thrown in. Um, I, and I, I do think that's partially a miscommunication and, and uh, a mistake in the branding, because if they, they did do a little bit of that, they gave us a little bit of the Stranger Things vibe. I think they even used the same music or it was very similar at one point because I remember going, <laughs> oh, is that Stranger Things? And I looked up and I said, it's Doctor Strange. Um, so I think they played off of each other, but they didn't go far enough. They didn't prepare us well enough. And you're coming at this from a sequel. It's not a it's not a brand new film. It's a sequel to the original Doctor Strange. So it should be connected. Right. It should feel like the same type of movie. Exactly. <laughs> Why not just call this Wanda? Why not go dark Wanda and, and have a horror movie about her? We didn't need Doctor Wanda Strange. Wanda and the Darkhold. Call it good. Yes. And, you know. And, okay, so perfect. Here's, here's something that I wanted to talk about in terms of uh, the Darkhold, the use of the mm -hmm. Darkhold. Mm -hmm. A lot of... Uh, people are saying, well, she was, you know, evil because of the dark hole. No. How? No. We didn't see that. No. Nope. We were told that, but we never Repeatedly. saw that. We, ne we didn't see one to get corrupted by the dark hole. So right. that's, that's a great, I think, illustration between showing versus telling mm. in writing. Yes. Being told that Wanda has been corrupted by the dark hole versus actually seeing her actually shift and become corrupted did we see anyone actually because we were told so many times that it, it corrupts people did we actually see anybody get corrupted by it in I the flashbacks that, i don't I, think I so i don't think so no we were just told this information Over, and that repeatedly <laughs> that's lazy writing that's right it's not and they kept pushing the narrative of wanda's maternal instinct rather than wanda's maternal instinct being twisted by the dark hole because that would have made sense right sure. that that would have made much more sense in the right. sense of like okay she's being pushed to the edge by this thing by this this all-encompassing evil let's say for a lack of, of better but but you're right there was there was none of that shown on screen it was just like i want to see my kids basically <laughs> yeah and if i can if i don't get what i want i'm gonna kill right. you all 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I can't have them, no one will, regardless like, if they're happy and living a thriving life or not. It, it, you know what it reminded me of? Oh, and I'm going to get heat for this. That's okay. Bring it on. It, it felt like a DC movie. Oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it just, it just, it's you know, yeah. and I'm, I can't apologize for that. No. That's how I felt. Nope, I can't. I can't. No, I, I agree. I agree. It just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, had, <laughs> I felt so bad when it was over. I felt so bad because I wanted to like it. Yeah. So much. I was so excited. I bought tickets day of. I whole family mm -hmm. went. We went early. We we were ready. We were pumped. And you know, here's the thing. My son and my ex-husband, we all kind of went as a family because we're all big Marvel geeks. Mm -hmm. They liked it. My daughter and I were like, this didn't feel like a Marvel film. That's <laughs> well, that's kind of the I didn't hate it. Hate it. I just I but I, to be better. <laughs> but that's because I'm a Raimi fan. I feel like if I was not a huge horror buff that I am, and I, and I do really like Raimi films in general and his productions, um, I feel like I may not have liked it. But because I already have that that backstory essentially of all those things, I liked it in the sense of like, ooh, you know, I could see where that came from, and that influence right. came from, and that right. came from. But that's taking away the whole Marvel aspect of it. Yeah. As a Marvel film, I thought it was horrendous, to be quite frank. Like, yeah. I, had, I had nothing good to say from a Marvel fan aspect. It was only because, oh, I happen to like, you know, horror and this particular director that I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. That was kind of yeah. interesting. That was kind of you know, yeah. cinematic. But from a storytelling perspective and from a Marvel perspective, no, not at all. In no. rewatches, this is going on the not watch again. This is this has yeah. reached incredible Hulk level for me. Oh no! And I know it's like <laughs> oh, oh no. I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> uh, speak. I want to. I do want to lift up one uh, one other thing, and I and I bring it up mm -hmm. for a point for for writing uh, purposes. So there's one scene that happens in there that seems to have people completely divided mm -hmm. in terms of if it was awesome or if it was. <laughs> what um <laughs> and that is the music fight oh <sighs> I, okay okay <laughs> i got so excited i'm so sorry um i am i am in the camp that that was brilliant i th i thought it was so unique i thought it was so fun and again it has no business in a marvel movie i don't know <laughs> i don't know where that factored in at all but like if you took if you took that scene and put it in another movie where it actually fit appropriately, I, I would have been like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like the, this alone deserves, yeah. you know, the, all the awards. But, I'll tell you why. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. But in I'll that just, movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason why I don't think it fit there mm -hmm. is not anything to do with the fight itself, which was a completely original thing and completely like, I don't have a problem with the fight. Mm-hmm. My issue is where it happened. Mm. Why is there a harp and a piano in Evil Strange's lair? It because made no sense. Evil Strange wouldn't have a harp and a piano in a dystopian He has universe. not been written that way. <laughs> he has not been given anything to indicate that he would be a harp-loving, piano-playing, music-loving, let's put it in my evil lair type of guy. And that's why it didn't work for me, because it didn't right. match 
the setting that you, it didn't match the character. So sometimes scenes are like that too. Like certain things, you have to sort of be careful of your surroundings. And does that make sense that the character would interact with these things? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's why for me, that scene did not work. It was like, oh, somebody had a really cool idea Mm -hmm. and they made it work. Right. By just throwing it in where they wanted to put it. Yeah. Not having any reason logically. I think by that point in the film, I was already like resigned to the fact that we were not getting a Marvel movie. So I was just kind of like, okay, I'm along for whatever the heck this journey is. And, you know, <laughs> what, was there a point for you when you were watching it that when you went, oh, I'm pretty sure that's... I was in the first 15 minutes, to be honest. <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of was. And I kept waiting. I kept, I kept holding off judgment, going, you know what? The end credit is going to mm-hmm. explain everything and I'm not yeah. going to be mad at it anymore. No, you were just more I mad. Was, <laughs> I was more mad. <laughs> I was living. <laughs> yeah, I once I kind of saw like the, the classic Raimi style and I couldn't pinpoint it now, but if I went back and watched, I know that I could find the exact right, moment where, right. where it first happens. But once I saw it, I was like, oh, this is what we're getting. Okay, yeah. I'll just watch yeah. it from, from that perspective. <laughs> <laughs> So we did, we've talked a lot about the movie itself, but I think all of this really can translate to a writer and being careful when you're writing things, especially in series that are interconnected. Absolutely. You have to be careful of these things, but even just branding in general, if you yep. are trying to brand yourself, take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to brand yourself as a romance writer, mm-hmm write the fantasy books maybe (laughs) don't write that young adult maybe stay in your lane (laughs) stick to your branding oh danielle danielle has learned this this lesson so hard and and i'm just going to apologize because we we beat you down for it but but it is a good lesson to of (laughs) of pen names of sticking to your brand not only sticking to your genre or like i said you know partner genre sister genres whatever but also to your voice to the things that matter to you. I mentioned in a previous podcast that I had discovered through my writing that I am, I'm very into found families. I'm very into this idea of like interconnected friendship rather than, than blood. Um, and, and that's something that I didn't know about myself that I discovered through writing. And now I need to make sure that that's something I consider moving forward in all of my books, because it is something that readers will come to know and expect from me. So finding those nuggets of things that are true to you and then sticking to them because it is a promise to the reader, right? You never want to be like, for example, here is this sweet, small town, closed door romance. I've now written five books of them and you expect this. Oh, by the way, here's this bombshell horror book. (laughs) It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's like Stephen King suddenly, you know, writing a romance story. Um, Right probably not going to work out. He wouldn't write under that pen name because the brand is too established. Absolutely. Well, even the same thing, if you're writing a a series of books and they're Mm -hmm. all steamy, say, and the last book, close the door. (laughs) Readers are going to get annoyed with you. (laughs) I mean, you'll get a lot. Look, it'll get a lot of talk. You'll get a lot of reviews. It may not be the way you want. They may not be good ones. (laughs) 
it will definitely get talked about though. I will say yeah. somebody out yeah. there is going to do this. I know it just because, you know, it's, it might be a brilliant marketing strategy, piss off readers, everybody in the last book, kind of like this movie. Cause, cause we are talking about it. So. Right. Right. We are. <laughs> but you know what that said, a lot of people really love this movie. So I don't want to mm-hmm. like say my, you know, our opinion is the only opinion. Absolutely not. You, you it's not the, the only opinion, but it's the right one. Better yep. here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about does it, huh? <laughs> Where can I we think so? <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Uh, like I said, like Danielle said, you're you're entitled to your opinion. It's just you know, if if you liked it, it's it's probably wrong. At least from a Marvel head perspective, from a from a horror movie perspective, you're we're all in. So, but I hope that today taught you a lot about how about branding, about how you should stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Lesson that Danielle has learned learned well, and we will see you next time. So be sure to tune in for another episode of Bound by Books. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.